We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, which is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. Coming up, the latest episode of KCSN Update, your daily Chiefs podcast and video from us here at KCSN. It's the headlines, rumors, stories, and stats people are talking about to get you through the day and caught up with all things Chiefs. Different guests each week with different perspectives. The latest episode of KCSN Update, proudly presented by DraftKings, begins now. What's up, everyone? I'm BJ Kissel, and this is KCSN Update, our daily chief show and podcast here at KC Sports Network, presented by our good friends at DraftKings. Thanks for hanging out today. Please hit that like and subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. You can also follow us on your favorite podcast platform by simply searching KCSN. You can find all of our channels that way, covering all your favorite Kansas City teams and colleges. Now, as we look towards this game on Sunday, Patrick Mahomes looking to stay undefeated against the Denver Broncos in his career. And since it's Tuesday, I'm excited to talk to the Athletics Nate Taylor about that, plus a whole lot more. A lot of news coming out of Denver. Interested in getting Nate's opinion on that. But first, a quick word from our friends at DraftKings. The fans, the tradition, the glory. There's nothing more thrilling than college football. It's bowl season and the action is far from over. My go-to for betting is DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps. You know I'm all in on the Sugar Bowl as a K-State alum, facing an Alabama team with Bryce Young and Will Anderson on the field. I can't wait for this one. I'm surprised they're playing, but I'm excited about it as a K-State fan because that is the real Alabama team. And with the line at six and a half, the K-Stater, you can't take any disrespect at facing a team with the pedigree of the Crimson Tide going into that Sugar Bowl. And right now, new customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Plus, everyone can combine multiple bets for a bigger payout with DraftKings same-game parlays. Personally, I always have enjoyed the longer season plays, particularly this year. I got the Patrick Mahomes for MVP at plus 900. That was a good find. And Nick Bolton to lead the league in tackles is within striking distance. That was at plus 3,500. So a good one there is he's third in the league right now with two weeks left to play. So you definitely uh, will see me paying attention to 32 and how close he is uh, screaming that he should get credit for every tackle. Uh, but download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code KCSN. New customers can place a $5 pregame money line bet on a college football team to win and get $150 if your team does. That's code KCSN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, it's time to bring on Nate Taylor from The Athletic. Nate, before we get into the five burning questions, how was your Christmas? It was eventful, BJ, as I'm sure everybody's was, uh, because, you know, it was weird to be an Arrowhead on a Saturday, not a Sunday, <laughs> um, but it was beneficial to be with friends and family, uh, opening gifts, uh, going through the litany of like, you know, uh, how soon can we eat to when how soon can we go back out to eat, uh, which is like, you know, I, I think I basically saw everybody in the Overland Park <laughs> Prairie Village area uh, yesterday on Monday uh, as we all sort of get back to some bit of normalcy. But that no, was great. Um, you know, as I told you before, we took Hayden, uh, Holly and I took him to his first NFL game in Houston. And then, you know, Santa Claus sort of cleaned everything up on Christmas. So it's... um. 
you know, it's it's a great time. Um, I'm happy that it's starting to get a little warmer outside. But uh, but I'm doing well, man. It's it's weird. Like my brain has been more about family and kids and like obviously spending time with family. And then, you know, I'm like kind of getting back into that NFL swing of things as like you start to hear more things pop up um, now that the what week uh, week 16 is finally concluded. Right. We're now into week 17 of, of 18. So um, I'm happy to kind of try to get back into a normal swing of things. But my Christmas was awesome, man. That's good to hear. I I don't think I've been in a normal swing of things for like 18 months. We were talking about before this. Like, uh, there yeah. are so many different things going on. I can't just like get up. It's anything. hard. It's just crazy it's with hard. everything going on. And then over the past week, anybody listening to this show that listened to the show yesterday with Matt Miller probably saying, hey, you sound a lot better. I feel much better today than I did yesterday as my family. Uh, my wife is still struggling a little bit, but mm. uh, we had a stomach virus just wipe our family out over the past like five days yeah, and went through as quickly. Um, but the kids are feeling better. They're good now. And, uh, and yeah, so it's, it's good to have that time at home, but also be like, Oh, we got to cover, cover what's going on with the chiefs and Casey sports yep. network and everything going on. Like there's just so much stuff or so many different hats that I can't get a hold of anything. I just feel like I'm, uh, building a plane as it's in the air, uh, with some Ooh. friends. So good, yeah, good somebody comparison. told me that yes. somebody yeah. told me that once and I'm like, yeah. That's a great way of putting it. It's just yeah. once it's kind of going, you can't really slow it down or stop it. And you just got to kind of piece it together yeah. as you, as you go. So right. uh, we'll tweaks here and there and try to make it uh, as good as we can. It's not easy to start something new uh, like this. So, but it's always good to, to talk with you, my yeah. friend, let's get into these five burning questions. Cause this first one, I really want to get your thoughts on Nathaniel Hackett and how mm-hmm. this all went down because uh, I heard coach Reed's comments yesterday uh, when he had media availability, um, I thought it was all pretty, I not surprised what he said. Then he, he mm-hmm. used the shrewd businessman line about just the way that, uh, it's pretty cutthroat, uh, in the NFL and these guys are, you gotta be on your a game all the time. Uh, yep. but your perspective in covering the league and, and what's going on out in Denver, uh, I guess I'll start with, and just let you go with it. But were you surprised that they made this move now, as opposed to just waiting a couple of weeks and letting it, you know, play out throughout the rest of the season? Um, I am somewhat surprised that they did it uh, before the Black Monday, you know, is official, uh, which yeah. is now after week 18 when the regular season is, you know, actually concludes. Um, I'm a bit surprised, but then I'm even more surprised with what the Broncos did on Christmas Day, BJ. Um, at that point, you you can't give uh, ownership, which, by the way, this is new ownership that had no say in Nathaniel Hackett. Um, who obviously understands George, you know, Peyton and what he was doing as a general manager, but you know, the ownership wasn't a part of the hiring process for Nathaniel Hackett. That's just that's just the facts. Um, they looked miserable in Los Angeles on Christmas Day against mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield and the Los Angeles Rams. So I'm even more surprised by that. So I understand the end results as to why Nathaniel Hackett was fired. Um, he also wasn't the only coach fired as well. I mean, there's a number of guys on the coaching staff who were, um, you know, released of their duties. Um, and so it's sort of a skeleton crew right now for this Broncos staff as they try to put something together for Sunday's game against the Chiefs. And then obviously they have their season finale after that. But, you know, I thought it was pretty clear that we were going to get to this destination. Um, it arrived a little bit earlier than I thought. But the game that I'll always remember, and I know my buddy Nick Casimir, who covers the Broncos for us at The Athletic, he has a wonderful piece that I think people should really read about just the level of partnership failures between Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson um, that are honestly, as I read it, so much opposite of the partnership between Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. And every NFL team sort of has to build off the quarterback and the coach in their relationship. Um But if you read that story from Nick, it just reminds you that, yes, the opening day loss to the Seattle Seahawks was very embarrassing. But I knew that Nathaniel Hackett was probably going to get fired after just one season at the helm of the Denver Broncos was that infamous Thursday night game against the Indianapolis Colts, who are also bad. Um, But the fact that they lost that game in embarrassing fashion the understanding that there were people who were leaving the stadium before overtime started against the Colts in, yeah. in a prime time setting. 
um, still early in the season enough to where you could, you know, perhaps salvage something of your season or at least be in contention. Um, the Broncos are worse than the Raiders. And that's saying something because the Raiders are also uh, kind of having an embarrassing season in their own fashion with also a first-time head coach. But I thought yeah. that Thursday night game just sort of proved that um, this is a first-time head coach who's not really good at this. And the quarterback is not even getting close to competing at the level that we've grown accustomed to. So um, for them to make this decision now, it obviously jumpstarts their search. So they'll be somewhat ahead of some other teams who will obviously fire their coaches on Black Monday. But yeah, I'm 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 surprised that it happened early, but there's nothing else to evaluate, um, which is what a lot of people, you know, in front office and NFL executives will tell you. There's nothing else to evaluate. You know it's bad. And yeah. giving up 51 points to a, again, Los Angeles Rams team led by Baker Mayfield and Cam Akers, who are fine players, but obviously have been having their own struggles. Baker Mayfield even wasn't on the team when the season started. Yeah. Uh, it made sense for this to happen, even though the Broncos have never really been an organization where they fire a coach in the middle of a season. Yeah, it. There's a lot to unpack there, and we could spend. It may end up turning into like three. I might cut three of the questions out depending on how long we spend <laughs> on this because. There's so much to unravel there because you you compare it to to the Raiders situation. We saw Josh McDaniels do this in Denver. It was the same kind of thing where like mm-hmm. you got the wrong quarterback. It didn't work with Tim Tebow. That was his guy, and it all fell apart. And you hear stories now, and I've heard lots of stories over the past month from guys who have been around, not necessarily the players, but some of the coaching staff, some of the older mm-hmm. players that had played you know, 10, 15 years ago that now have friends who are coaches at these places, and these guys talk about how bad Josh McDaniel was just in handling people. I don't know anything about Nathaniel Hackett. I know he grew up in the Kansas City area. He went to Blue Valley Northwest. Uh, mm-hmm. like two miles from my house here, but um, don't know about any of that other than I wasn't surprised. I'm always surprised when they make moves mid season um, mm-hmm. because it doesn't really solve anything unless there's a young guy on the staff that you want to see how he kind of commands the team or something like that. Maybe if you're kind of thinking that we can hire this guy, but unless you've completely lost the team and that Christmas day game to see the players kind of going at each other, to see Randy Gregory who won't play in this game on Sunday. Cause he's got to suspend it. He's got suspended mm-hmm. uh, for throwing a punch or a slap or whatever you want to call it. Right. Uh, at another player. And then for Dalton Reisner, and that's the one that surprised me. And I think it surprised a lot of people, especially K staters, anybody that's ever talked to Dalton Reisner before. He's not that guy. He is not the right. kind of guy that's going to go after his teammate. He was a Walter Payton man of the year award winner or, nominee for them he's for the a reason yeah mm-hmm. yeah he is the nominee for a reason he was doing this kind of stuff when he was at k-state not that you can't do good stuff in the community and then be a hothead at times and lose your cool but he was never you talk to anybody at k-state he was never going to be a guy that you would expect to do this sort of thing to so it's either he was 100 in the right and there's a lot of context to the story that we don't know um i know there's a lot of people speculating on what it was about but that was a sign to me is like, okay, he's lost. It's like, these guys have no, they're not holding back at all of just letting mm-hmm. it out in a very unprofessional manner. And there's no respect for the coach or the situation or anything. Like there's nothing holding them back and holding them together in that kind of way. So I understand it in that regard, but I'm yeah. really curious what this game's going to look like on Sunday. Cause mm-hmm. if the, the, the catalyst for all of this is how bad the quarterback has been and that he doesn't really inspire a lot of confidence mm-hmm. to rally behind this guy just because the way he's been. We heard this in Seattle with yep. Russell Wilson. We've heard it just – we all kind of know just from the way things that we've seen that he's not the guy that's going to rally everybody behind him if they're not already there. And I don't know how they're going to manifest any kind of energy for Sunday other than just being professionals and going out there and having maybe one issue of this gone – but Russell Wilson is still there and that's yep. still an issue and they can't fire him because of that contract. Yeah. So, so Russell Wilson will be on the roster next season. Um, you know, 2023 gets more fascinating because if he has a similar season uh, next year that he had this year, then you can move on for him for 2024. Um, but you the can. problem, you want to eat $107 million <laughs> dead caps. You can. Hey, Hey, BJ, I'll, I'm just stating what's out there, man. Uh, they can move yeah. on from him after the 2023 season. Um, they might have a little bit better draft capital because they don't really have any right now uh, to go up and get a quarterback, at least in the top uh, half of the first round of this year's draft. Um, you know, it's been put out there now that the 
you know, with the new ownership group that whoever is going to be the new head coach is basically going to be hired by the new ownership group, by the Waltons. Um, it will not be George Payton. I, I think, you know, yeah. his days might also be somewhat numbered because he executed the trade and yeah. um, with the Waltons just in the door uh, gave Russell Wilson, I thought a contract extension that wasn't necessary at the time uh, because he was already under contract for two years, ladies and gentlemen. And they basically said it was okay to give him another extension with the understanding that they thought he would be a star to superstar uh, quarterback. So with that being said, um, it's going to be a pretty big, you know, shakeup, I think, in Denver over the next 18 months. And whoever the coach is, um, is going to have full command of that with the new ownership. So it's going to be a different, you know, it's going to be a different situation than it's been um, most recently. But man, um, Russell Wilson's going to play. Russell Wilson's going to play on Sunday. And if you want to have something to build towards 2023, um, he does need to put together just a competent performance that doesn't hinder the team's ability to win. Um, And that was clearly on display Christmas Day when he threw, you know, two interceptions that were somewhat head scratching. um, And then the team fell apart right after those turnovers. Well, the team fell apart at mid ball in the air. If you saw Cortland Sutton and the way mm-hmm. that he was acting when he wasn't getting the ball, those are the kinds of things. It's like, okay, it's one thing for one player to lose his cool or Randy Gregory, one thing to happen for receivers to outwardly. And somebody broke this down on social media where they were showing like throughout the season, yeah. saw KJ Hamler lose his mind earlier. So Jerry that, Judy in, in that Colts game, KJ Hamler yep. looked like he wanted to fight everybody because he was yeah. the guy who was open in the end zone to perhaps win the game and the quarterback just disregarded him, did not look his way uh, on the play. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, you're right, BJ. I mean, but, this has been sort of consistent all throughout the season. My issue, and I, I shouldn't say issue because I hope they don't get it right because she's fan here, let's be honest, but <laughs> how is that an attractive job? I know you have to be unbiased, but, like, how is that yes. an attractive yes. job for somebody? Like, who is going to take that job over Indy or anywhere else? Part of me, I was laughing earlier because I want Baker Mayfield to go to Denver as the backup just for chaos. Can you imagine a quarterback room with Russell Wilson and Baker (laughs) Mayfield? Mayfield. (laughs) Like, how does the team respond to, like, the backup and everything? Like, two completely opposite uh, people. And I just just want it for the, the memes and just the pure comedy. But anyway, I... I don't want to have this conversation yet, but I'm going to throw that. Like I'm going to tease a little bit. I feel bad for whoever might end up getting that job because it's going to be so unattractive because they don't have a ton of assets. They're stuck with Russell Wilson. Unless that coach truly believes in Russell Wilson, you're going to get somebody that's been wanting to be a head coach for a long time. Whose name has been thrown out there a lot. Who's very much, and I'm not going to call it a David Coley situation, but it's like, they're going to hire some coach who's just, mm. I don't want to say a stopgap for a couple of years, but it's mm-hmm. like, you just get us through the crap. And then once we finally have mm. our assets back and our resources, then we can move forward with the coach, like a Lovey Smith, like what they did. Yeah. I didn't think it was, I did not, I know David Coley. I like David Coley. I did not like what happened to him. And I, I'm worried about what's going to happen in Denver for the same reason. To be fair to David Coley and now Lovey Smith. The Houston Texans have been a more professional football team this season and last season than the Denver Broncos this season. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. They are competing and showing some signs of improvement, minor, but still showing signs of improvement that a team with a better roster, with more competent players, with a quarterback who's won the Super Bowl before, they are playing at a more professional manner towards the end of this season than the Houston Texans who knew when the season began, they were one of the worst teams that that speaks volumes to me, BJ. And I think you are getting to something that could be a potential, you know, obstacle for the Denver Broncos in terms of who they can attract. Now, again, based on my colleague, Nick Cosmere, he believes that because they've hired three straight, you know, first time rookie head coaches, that they're going to probably go into that retread bin and ask for someone like maybe Leslie Frazier, Dan Quinn has been, you know, sort of put out there in a mix. Um, I'm not, I would not advise Sean Payton to take this job. No, 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 no. no. Don't, don't you do that, sir. Um, Sit out another, 
Frank Reich is another one that's been thrown out because of his ties to Peyton Manning. And if the ownership group does have uh, respect for Peyton Manning, which I'd be shocked if they didn't, I don't know the dynamics out there, but like Peyton Manning, we somebody they should listen to. And then Mm -hmm. obviously how he feels about Frank Reich could be something that that could be a good fit. But then it goes to, does Frank Reich think he can get more out of Russell Wilson? Does he want to work with Russell Wilson? When he just wants to work with him. When when he just went through the Carson Wentz rebuild or the re, you know, um, when the, re, the the Carson Wentz rehab is what I like to call it. That was yeah. that had that had some peaks at times, and then obviously, um, it it had a disastrous crash, you know, in Week 18. So yeah, no matter who the Denver Broncos go after, um, it's less likely to be a first time head coach unless yeah. it's someone like you just mentioned in that category of like, hey, there are only one of 32 of these and I want my shot, even though I might not be the most qualified, they might not be able to attract a Sean Payton, who, who of course, is the most qualified candidate right now, has the ability to, you know, rebuild a roster or to get the scheme right, you know, with a quarterback of similar build uh, in the past, but he may not want that job. And again, uh, the advisory board of Nate and BJ would tell Sean Payton, (laughs) No, don't even answer that phone call. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. There's going to be some other jobs that might be significantly more attractive for Sean Payton uh, than Denver. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the issue, is that how many of these attractive jobs are going to go to these guys and how many guys are going to look at the Denver job they get offered and is like, you know what? They get paid a little bit. We get paid a lot more than I am now. I'm going to go give this a whirl and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it'll there'll be plenty of time for those discussions. But yeah, I would be very surprised to see Sean Payton, um, knowing that he'll probably have his pick of several different p- places to mm-hmm. go uh, to pick Denver uh, because of all the things that we just mentioned. Um, all right, let's move move forward a little bit off this one because I'm sure that will be. Again, something we continue to talk about. Uh, let's move to something a little more positive because uh, in fairness to how much time we spent on this show, um, KCSN Update overall, I know you and I have talked about it. I've talked about mm-hmm. it with Brett Coleman. I've talked about it with Matt Miller and Trevor Sikama. Um, Orlando Brown Jr. Yes. A tweet from Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star beat mm-hmm. writer uh, who said, uh, per, I think it was per, Pro Football Focus, uh, mm-hmm. that over the last six weeks, the top offensive tackle by grades in the NFL – and you could take the grades. I know I'm just set. Some people just their blood pressure started rising, but we've used PFF numbers on this show before to talk about Orlando Brown and the number of pressures given up. He is the number one rated offensive tackle over the past six weeks mm-hmm. in the NFL. So it doesn't mean he's the absolute best, but it means he's playing significantly better. Yes. Than he did earlier in the year. And I referenced this uh, before 
we talked about him last week getting a little bit better on a different show that you were the one at the beginning of the season that said he was dealing with a knee injury. I believe yes. it was a knee injury mm-hmm. that he was playing through some stuff. He was struggling. Maybe mm-hmm. he's starting to get healthier, whatever that is to give credit back to him, but it's worth having this discussion. And question for you is how much credit should we give Orlando Brown jr. And how much pe- should people kind of be able and be willing to change their narrative mid season about a player mm. who's playing significantly better. Yeah. The season's too long guys. Like I will continue to say that uh, as long as I have a platform to do so. Uh, so thank you, BJ. But yeah, like guys go through these peaks. Um, that's why the Patrick Mahomes of the world are so unique and gifted and like supremely talented and can kind of stay um, playing at a high level consistently. But yeah, um, I know this is very Colts-centric so far, but uh, the game where Orlando Brown showed significant pain in his left knee was against the Indianapolis Colts. It's also the first game that they lost this season. Mm -hmm. Um, And I got a few minutes to just talk to him after that game and to kind of realize that, like, something's going on here. And then, of course, it was on the injury report for a couple few weeks after that. Um, But yeah, this is where... Um, you get into an issue as to, and this is why Andy Reid doesn't really want um, issues in the offseason uh, because this can have sort of an effect. You know, he missed uh, a decent amount of time in training camp. He didn't participate in any of the offseason program because of the franchise tag and what that was going to sort of be for him, whether he was going to actually sign the tender, whether he was going to show up on time. Um, he came in basically when they started like actually putting pads on. So yes, he came in in better shape, but was he in football shape? And then you play essentially two games in five days. And I think some people sort of forgot that, that they played the Arizona Cardinals on September 11th. And then the first Thursday primetime game for Amazon was Chiefs Chargers in Arrowhead. Um, I think he, I think he had some wear and tear. I think that sort of um, became an issue during late September, early October, obviously he struggled against teams like the Chargers and uh, the Buffalo Bills in that particular loss. Um, we all know his worst snap of the season. That was against the Cincinnati Bengals. But to the point that you said, BJ, um, I got a chance to ask him in the locker room a few weeks ago, and he basically confirmed that, yes, he was dealing with this injury, and yes, his knee is stronger now. Um, this is another credit, I guess, to Rick Bokholder and the athletic and the training staff for the Chiefs. Um but also, the team is running the ball better because this is what he's good at. He's really good at just getting you the right angles to run off of right tackles. You know, basically that touchdown to win the game against the Houston Texans. That is, you know, Orlando Brown removing Jerry Hughes from the play before the play even really begins. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the reasons why Jerry McKinnon goes untouched into the end zone. Um He's starting to get his swagger back. You know, I don't know. Like, this kind of, I kind of aged myself on Saturday, <laughs> <laughs> where, you know, uh, I love Sam Cassell. He was one of my favorite NBA players. But, you know, Orlando's starting <laughs> to get that swagger back. He did the Sam Cassell celebration where, you know, he's letting the cojones be known to 80,000 people uh, if they're watching him celebrate after another touchdown from Jarek McKinnon uh, against the Seahawks. And yeah, Patrick Mahomes, for all of his greatness, does not take sacks but you are noticing that he's standing in the pocket he does have time he's scrambling really against the seattle seahawks as his choosing not being told hey man you gotta scramble because somebody's collapsing the pocket so i think orlando brown deserves some credit because one of the best traits about him is his durability he does not miss games um it's one of the reasons why the chiefs were so interested in acquiring him for the trade with the baltimore ravens but yeah, it's it's time to acknowledge that like Orlando Brown is trending upward right at the time that you want him to, uh, which is for the postseason. And really, even though he is a pro bowler, he also is aware. And I think I applaud him for basically saying that none of that matters. What matters is how yeah. I'm playing right now and how I play in the postseason because he doesn't have stats. He doesn't have the traditional stats, but if he plays well, the Chiefs offense gets that much harder to stop in January. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's chiefs fans are very good at obviously paying attention. They're passionate. They know what's going on, but I think that um, I hope at least the credit is given uh, to a player that has improved. That's getting better. 
uh, for all of the the kind of punches that he has taken. I don't think it helps that the interior of the line is so good. Whenever every talk oh, about the offense, so it's like ah! it's like Creed Trey. <laughs> Tooney, like those guys are studs, but it's the tackles that are really struggling, and the numbers have backed that up for so long. Um, and Andrew, that it Andrew, sucks to be the weak link, even if you're not playing poorly, you're still not right. a pro bowler like uh, some of those other guys are. I, I always enjoy talking to Andrew Wally. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I always enjoy talking to Andrew Wally for this point because he's like, man. I used I came into this league as a guard. I just <laughs> come in and be great. I had to work at this. I had to get so much better. Now I'm playing tackle and like, you know, so um it is an interesting mix. You know, most teams it's like, man, we gotta be really great at the tackles and you know, cobble it together in the middle and maybe have a really good center. But no, um it's so funny to be like, Orlando Brown, like been a consecutive pro bowler for your team, Chiefs fans. Like I always tell people. Oh, you're upset with Orlando Brown? You're not pleased with him? Who's a better option? Tell me. Just tell me who it is. Is he playing in college? Because good luck with that. The problem is your quarterback is in the prime of his career. You want to give that job to some rookie who, you know, might play at Ohio State, which, yes, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to watch that game between Ohio State and Georgia (laughs) because they have a tackle who might go high in the draft. And Georgia is the, the absolute simulation of an NFL team at this stage. So, I I understand Chiefs fans' concern. I also understand that, like, this is also the same fan base that saw Eric Fisher sort of blossom, and it took longer for him to develop than people sort of realized, too. So all it comes down to, and this is wild, because you never want to put these players in these sort of boxes when they're not the quarterback, because obviously the quarterback has the ball in his hands. They make the decisions. You know, they're obviously the ones who are trying to lead the unit down the field. But it's weird when you're not a quarterback. And you're not a running back and you're not a receiver or a tight end. And they're like, well, his season really doesn't matter until, you know, January when like, you know, the best of the best are also on the other side of the ball. But that's that's the predicament that Orlando Brown's in. He's bet on himself. Um, I'm not saying he's winning the bet so far, but he's still in the hand. He's still at the poker table with some chips. And if he does well in January, then maybe he gets a slightly better contract than what was offered to him you know, in pretty much the middle of July, I guess, when the when the deadline was for franchise tag players, he didn't feel like yeah. there was enough guaranteed money. Well, the, the easiest way for him to earn and to win this bet, basically, is to be on the field consistently, which he's done, play yeah. through injuries, which he's done, get better as the season goes along, which, based on your stats, based on pro football focus's assessment, he has done. Yeah. And now the last part is be excellent in January. And help yeah. the team get back to a Super Bowl. So that re- we're yeah. we're in the process of it, but you know he hasn't lost his bet just yet. That relationship between him and the organization, and if they come back and offer him less than they were last year, but maybe there's more guarantees or whatever that relationship of negotiating back and forth looks like this year after kind of a rocky, obviously slow start, playing through injury, which the coaches and the staff would know, yep. and I would say they would reward. I don't feel like the Chiefs would hold that against him, knowing that he knew he was betting on himself and doing everything he could to get out on the field. There's just context there that we don't always know. You want the results to be better, but if him out there at 70% or whatever is still better than the next option, it may very much be the same kind of conversation of, to your point earlier, who's going to play left tackle? Who's going to go out there and be that guy? Everyone's like, we'll trade for Laramie Tunsil. Okay. Then let's have the conversation of are the chiefs a better overall football team for the next five years by giving up a couple of first round picks plus the Trent Williams deal that Laramie Tunsil would absolutely garner and deserve as good as he is. Right. Is that, and then not being able to use those assets in ways that we've talked about with Tyree kill and that Tyree kill has made more money this year than the rest of the chiefs receivers combined will over like the next two years, <laughs> like mm-hmm. something like, like it's, it's that kind of nuanced conversation of who's going to be there. Okay. You're going to give up all these assets. Okay. Well then that's going to hold you back from adding over here and then I just go back to, and again, it's not the the Homer in me necessarily, but I trust Andy Reid, Andy Heck, Patrick Mahomes, Brett Veach, all of these people to decide can Orlando Brown Jr. based on what we already have, that we don't have to give up assets for him, the contract we can get him for better than all mm-hmm. of the assets that we have to give up. Because you give up draft picks plus a ton of money that hold you back from doing some other things. Um, 
that's the nuanced conversation. And that's what Brett Veach and them have been so good about to get us to this point. We've got six rookies starting on the defensive side of the football and all these question marks we had. And now they're staring down another number one seed. If we can get the Bengals to beat the bills mm-hmm. on Monday night, which is going to be a good one. So again, yeah, anyway, fascinating discussion. Uh, I laugh when you bring up Andrew Wiley because there's anybody that has the perfect personality <laughs> to be him. like the right tackle on this it's team. Him. Like it is absolutely Andrew Wiley. I don't know if it's still there, but for the longest time, it probably still is. I don't know how much he checks, checks Twitter, but his bio was my Madden rank does not define me. <laughs> and it's like the perfect like Andrew Wiley thing yes. on there, which yes. is just kind of sarcastic, doesn't take himself too seriously. Right. I'm not saying he's just happy to be here kind of guy because he is every bit as as anybody else but like he understands the work it took to get to where he is right now and he's not going to take anything for granted he he has a he has a perspective that i really believe is valuable to understand like how great pat is what is required of him all the rules they have and protections he's been there the longest which i think some chiefs fans may forget like of the offensive lineman right now he's been there the longest and yeah. yeah, he used to play guard, guys. Like he used to play guard, and then they put him. He was the swing guy. Yes. He was the hey, he was the Cam Irving, where it's like he can yes. play just about anywhere, and it's like that's yes. the most valuable guy. And then you stuff him a right tackle, and he's like, "Well, he's not Mitch Schwartz." We're like, "Well, who <laughs> <yeah>. is?" <laughs> like the best part. The best part for me is, is um, you know, Cam Irving has made legitimate money you know, based off the work he did in Kansas City. Yeah. And right now, I think everybody, including me, would take Andrew Wiley over Cam Irving right now because he has fit the system well, and he's obviously uh, grown through over the years. Um, but he's also a team guy, too. Like, he's yeah. he's been willing to do what has made the offensive line stick since, you know, obviously that fateful day in Super Bowl 55. All right, let's move on to the next question. Is we've, we've, it only took 32 minutes to get through the first two questions, Nate. Uh, we'll do rapid fire. We did this last time where we had to go like rapid fire through a couple. Um, this one won't take long. What was your biggest surprise um, from the win over the Seahawks? I know it seems like it was 18 years ago at this point. Um, <laughs> but what was the biggest surprise for you in that win? They tackled. PJ, it's this, it's this like simple thing. They saw the – they saw the ball carrier and then they brought him to the ground consistently over and over again to, to the, to the place that I just thought midway through the third quarter. Oh, that ball carrier is going to get tackled. And guess what? He got tackled. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was being back at home after a long three game road stretch. I don't know if it's, you know, obviously being more focused and determined based on what they had shown in previous weeks. Um, I don't know if there were things that they did, you know, from a player perspective, not necessarily coaching, because you can't really like you can't we're not hitting <laughs> on Thursdays right now. Um, but like it's a it's a it's a player driven thing where it's like, let's study harder, let's you know, be more fundamentally sound. And then if one guy gets there, do enough for the second guy to, to sort of clean up the mess. And they did that constantly. Um, in Saturday's game, and look, it's a credit to Nick Bolton and, and Willie Gay specifically. Willie Gay played with a level of freneticness that was focused. And I mm. think that's sort of where he can be brilliant. It's like he is so wildly athletically gifted that he can get too, you know, Tasmanian devil-like. And, of course, any smart player that notices this on film can say, well, I'm going to be more patient and then use your aggressiveness against you. Well, in Saturday's game, he was aggressive but he was precise. And I thought that was really telling um, in just his overall play. And then of course, as you mentioned, BJ, all these rookies like, Hey George, here's a chance to get a sack. He tackles a quarterback textbook, brings them to the ground and it moves the Seattle Seahawks backwards. It's not a rough in the passer penalty. Um, hey, you know, you recognize that it's going to be a, a man play, a pick play basically. And Brian cook notices this, Makes the empty, makes the open field tackle. Same with Trent McDuffie. You know, oh, you're running to the sticks. Great, I'll be there when you make the reception, and I'll tackle you to the ground. Um, and the best tackle of the game probably was Jalen Watson on a screenplay yeah. that similar to the Broncos. And I and I get this point from Steve Spagnuolo, where he's like, "Well, someone's got to get him to the ground." And part of me was like, "But, but, coach, like Denver caught the perfect screen on the perfect <laughs> blitz. Like, what are the players supposed to do?" But to his point, he's correct. 
Seahawks called a similar great screenplay on a we know you blitzing blitzing play, and Jalen Watson had the wherewithal and the mindset to to get the player on the ground, even though they were playing at a disadvantage from when the completion was actually made when you watch it on film. So that was the thing that surprised me was like, okay, it's not just one guy tackling better from the last two weeks or two guys. It's the whole unit when they're out in space. And if they can do that, you really give yourself a chance on third down um, against a Joe Burrow led offense or Josh Allen led offense. Like getting those teams to third down requires you to tackle on second down. And the Chiefs did that so well against the Seahawks. It's hard to not watch these games, especially as we get later into the season and watch these rookie cornerbacks and not get excited. Like Josh Williams making the play on the ball on the slant pass. Like, and I saw the the PFF numbers where McDuffie and Josh Williams are like in the top 10 and fewest mm-hmm. and like uh, shortest, basically like a uh, separation. Separation. Yeah. Yeah. Tight, like, tight, tight and, coverage. And they can all tackle and they're all willing to tackle. And when Jalen Watson stepped up, I thought it was McDuffie. Originally, I thought it was Josh Williams because he's done that several times this year. Mm-hmm. And then when Jalen Watson got up, and I was like, man, I was like, between McDuffie, <laughs> Williams, and Watson, yeah. and I mean, like, this is awesome. And I think like Brett Feach just freaking killed it. And then it's, you know, how much money that they're going to be able to save and spend in free agency because they don't have to go out and spend a ton of money on cornerbacks. Like, I hate that my mind immediately goes there, but it's like, but that's the way you three starter type. Yeah cornerbacks that are rookies mm-hmm. on rookie deals plus an edge rusher and like then you could make a big trade and i know we talked just talked about it with laramie Tunsil. but if you need to make a big trade and give up draft picks to go get somebody that you don't have on the roster you can do that uh, and you can pay that money and go get a big time receiver spend some money in free agency uh, to go get some marquee get those one or two pieces that Chiefs fans have mm-hmm. been clamoring for every free agent season <laughs> remember do you remember last year i was on vacation during free agency and the world oh, was melting you. in chief's kingdom because and i per- personally wanted like zadarius smith i was like go get a big like edge rusher guy like let's go do this and didn't obviously happen chief's yeah. fans just melting down it's like we're not gonna do anything look what everybody else is doing and yep. and they draft My- three stud cornerbacks as rookies it's awesome the the two things that i remember from free agency is the Devontae adams trade and yeah. extension which i was like okay knowing that there's another team in a similar division trying to make an extension with their own player obviously we all know what happened there um and i was able to sort of piece all that together and then the second one is as you mentioned like okay zadarius smith like all right cool like what about this guy what about that guy and it's like crickets when it came to the frank clark situation um and then obviously they yeah. renegotiated that deal and once that happened i was basically made aware that like move on <laughs> like move on to other positions which then obviously informs you that like now the draft becomes even more paramount uh, based yeah. on what you've learned from the combine evaluations and the senior bowl and obviously the pro days and all that stuff and then of course george Karloff just comes along so you know, I was actually prepared for the Karloftis pick. I was not yeah. prepared, prepared for the Trent McDuffie pick, which I think um, yeah. surprised other teams in the NFL. <laughs> the Chiefs traded up to get Trent McDuffie. They'll never admit it. But... They'll never. Well, some team, I think some teams have admitted it to me. Just the idea of like, well, when you look at their roster, and everybody does this, when you look at their roster and you identify every team's needs, cornerback was like the dark horse for the Chiefs. And so it was hard for other teams to sort of um, pinpoint that as to like, well, why is Brett Beach calling us? Um, so there's always there's always yeah. multiple hands being played, uh, you know, by all these teams. But uh, yeah, the Trip McDuffie pick really surprised some other teams in the NFL. And uh, now, I thought you know, he was going out for Karloftis. A lot of uh, remember Karloftis and Jermaine Johnson were on the board. Yeah. And the Chiefs use that information to their benefit. So this is this is this is how it works, kids. Could, between free agency and then waiting for the draft, you could say Brett Veach bet on himself a little bit, along with the rest of the personnel staff, and they fucking crushed it. So they they, they won the division, BJ, with ten rookies on the active roster. Ten, not six, not seven, not eight, ten. It's it's one of the more like you know, insane jobs of core championship roster with Mahomes, Kelsey, you know, Chris Jones, Frank Clark. And then again, yeah, 10 rookies. And then you have a bunch of guys in the middle who are, you know, the Andrew Wiley's, the Jared McKinnon's, uh, yeah. 
you know, who are able to fill in the the Jerry Sneeze because he's a third year veteran and he sort of fits into this like in between level of of player. So, um, yeah, but that's that's how it all works. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain, educate, inform. KC Sports Network. Two more. We'll get through these pretty quickly as we're talking with the athletics. Nate Taylor here on KCSN Update with our five burning questions. We're going to flip the the order of these around, but just expectations for the Denver game. We spent a lot of time talking about their coaching situation and Russell Wilson and all of that. What do you expect to see from Denver in this game on Sunday? What kind of energy? What kind of just, uh, I don't know. Like it, I, nothing would surprise me. A lot of times you see mm. like a rally in these situations mm-hmm. and kind of get behind something or other. I just, for me, I don't know what that is because the big elephant in that room is still going to be under center. Um, yeah. As far as where a lot of this animosity I think comes from and this got to find somebody that can rally people behind them. And I don't yeah. know if he's that I'll, I'll say, I'll give this example because uh, Jed Putzier, who spent some time in the league uh, with the Texans, we played for the Broncos. I uh, told some really funny stories going up against Eric Hicks and Jared Allen, that kind of time. <laughs> and he's with the Broncos. At time, and, yeah. He's got some great stories about yeah. going up against Eric. Hicks. He's friends with Jared Allen. And then he and Eric Hicks, not friends. Yeah. Um, but he shared the story of it helps to have a quarterback that you can go have a beer with for situations like this, um, where it's not necessarily going to see a direct result on the field. You're not talking X's and O's, but you can rally behind. You get to know a guy a little bit. Mm. He's like, Russell Wilson is going out for sushi and wine. And like, that's not going to be the guy that you go have a beer with. And so like, it's going to be really hard for them to work through some of this stuff. And I can't get that, that, that mm. picture out of my head of mm. being able to get through some of these things and rally behind a quarterback that, isn't on the same page with that kind of stuff with the rest of his team. And I'm not trying to to put it on him because for all intents purposes, like he's a nice dude and like does a lot of mm-hmm. great things. Yeah. Fine. But as far as getting a bunch of other grown men to follow you in a situation like this, it's not he's never he's never been through this before. And that's that's another yeah. thing too. Like he like Russell has never he's never played this poorly and he's never been through this before. Uh, and also, you know, this is where Pete Carroll, you know, it's it's so unfortunate because I, I think about Russell Wilson. I'm like, you know, when did he lose sight of that? Pete Carroll is a really, really good to great head coach. Done it yeah. at both the college and the pro level. Um, and if you want more, that's fine. But like somewhere along the way, I think both of those guys um, lost some level of respect and trust with one another. And as you're saying, he's trying to gain respect and some level of trust with guys that are new to him in a situation that he's never been in before. When I think about that within the context of Sunday's game, A, is Randy Gregory going to be there? Because he's appealing his suspension, but um, I don't know if that decision has been pretty much decided if he's going to be – if that suspension is going to be upheld or not. Um, Here's what I would tell the Kansas City Chiefs win the first quarter and you win the game. They know when their season's over. They can mark it on the calendar. Um, I would advise Denver Bronco players to start to figure out what you want to do to give you some level of peace and reassurance, not at the team facility, after you get to your player-coach um, end-of-season discussion. So if they know when their season's over and if they can start making plans for it, well, you can guide them along the way and just say, well, you're down 10 nothing after one quarter. Do you want to be out here? You want to be a professional? I mean, we're the better team. You know we're the better team. They know we're the better team. Um, You know, them getting a 17-point lead against the Seahawks I thought was instructive because, yep, you're the better team. Do what the better team does. Get an early lead. Squeeze everything out. Make the game one-dimensional. 
Um, and this is Geno, Geno Smith, who's played very well this season. Actually, he yeah. had played very well on the road up until Sunday's game. So this is something that you can replicate. Um, don't make the game be more complicated than it has to be. Obviously, the Chiefs were up 27 to nothing on the Broncos. Hey, I'm not saying you have to do that again. But get a get a two-score lead and don't let them back into the game. And this is where Mahomes, you know, I thought acknowledged growth on his part, which is I'm not going to throw that interception that makes life more difficult for the defense or jump starts the other opponent and gives momentum away. Um, so if you win the first quarter, it will test the Broncos yet again. How are they going to perform as professionals yeah. when they know there's nothing left in their season? Coach already been fired. Yep. You know who's going to be on the team, who's probably not going to be on the team next year. Um, and can they professionally get through it for 60 minutes when, again, they know you're the better team? Um, yeah. So that would be my that would be my sort of spiel to the guys. That might be different than other weeks, which is like, don't give them any any not hope necessarily, but like just don't give them any advantage early. Like yeah. just and don't wake them up. Just let them. Yes. Don't. Not a lot of trash talking. Not a lot of this. Just kind of let them deal mm-hmm. with their own issues that they got to deal yes. with. And the other part of this, not the players are thinking about it, but they're not playing for a head coach that they think is going to be back. And even the GM. And like the scouting staff, like isn't a you know foregone conclusion that those guys are going to be back with the decisions that they made. Yeah. And so, to your point, just go through, get up early, and then I don't think it's going to be anger, which is what we saw on Christmas Day, kind of blow, blow up. You would hope not. Yeah, I would see more apathy where it's just like you know what we've got one more week, just get through it, and then we'll go on vacation and we'll let them sort it out in the off season. See our head coach and see how this is all going to play out going into the future, but. Uh, all right, let's go into the final burning question. And I think I've asked you this every week, but uh, I'm curious how, <laughs> how it changes. What's one area of this Chiefs team that needs to improve in your mind for the for you to feel more confident about their ability to go deep into the playoffs? Mm, oh, that's a that's tougher when they obviously won in the fashion they won on <laughs> Sunday because I think we did see you know improvement most importantly on the defensive side of the ball. And I'll, um, I'll give you a second to think about it because uh, one area of the game that I don't think had been paid attention to as much in the history of Chiefs Kingdom than it was last week was where the laces were pointed on an extra point. Bing, bing, bingo. Hey, shout out hey. to that group. Dustin, somebody said this on Twitter. <laughs> um, and I, I wish I could reference who they were, but somebody during halftime when I asked people what they were thinking, said, doesn't Colquitt deserves a ring if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl? <laughs> and I was like, I hadn't thought that far, but not wrong. Cause... I didn't realize how many people would get angry about it. There are a lot of Chiefs fans on Twitter that will just lash out to anyone that says anything critical. Because you and I had that conversation. I had people mm-hmm. reaching out to me saying, like, I can't believe that you would say this. You're such a homer, yada, yada, yada. And I was like... <laughs> I said that Dustin of anybody in the world that could come out. It's not like it's not even like a college special teams coach where you'd be like, well, he doesn't know these guys. Like if there's anybody that could speak up to this stuff and at least have a right to an opinion to say it publicly and not be chastised. I feel like Dustin Colquitt with everything he's done has earned the right to speak his mind about something, knowing and at least you and I have the benefit of knowing him a little bit. I haven't talked to Dustin. Yeah, no. I don't think I've talked to Dustin since he left or since I left the Chiefs two years. So it's not like I'm defending him in that kind of way, but he's earned the right to speak up about this kind of stuff. And the other thing that I will say is there's nothing in my mind in being around him or what he's about that he wasn't coming from the best place when he did that. I don't think he came out to try to criticize Tommy or anything. Mm-hmm. He was trying to do what was best in his mind. Uh, to get things right or to say what he's thinking as far as what needs to be better. I don't think he there was any ill intent uh, from Dustin, whether the words he used, any of that. Um, that's the issue that I took with people and how they responded to it is this wasn't anything other than Dustin wanting what's best for the Chiefs organization with everything that he's given to them throughout most of his professional, all of his professional life pretty much. Um, that was the one issue I took with it as we joke about it. But I saw some of the comments and I was just like, damn. Like, he, yes, I'm a homer. I'm not going to lie, but like, I'm defending the former player, not the current player. And it seems kind of he just, not right look, there. Look, Dustin Cole could put them on the record. Like, it's on the record now. We all know it. We've all acknowledged it. Now we'll see how they do. And hey, through yeah. one game, his words, whether they 
whether you liked him or not, gave you the results that I think Chiefs fans want, which is Harrison Bucker getting back in a rhythm with his holder yeah. and with his long snapper. And so, like, it's not it's not the way you wanted it, but it was the ends to the means that I think Chiefs fans will desire, you know, whether yeah. it's against the Seahawks or whoever they face in, in the postseason. So he, it's just that Sokoka was willing to put those guys on the record from his yeah. perspective, which we have to, as we said last week, we have to acknowledge and honor it and respect it because, like, dude. It's like, Dustin Colquitt. He literally <laughs> played with him. Yeah. Like, the other, he's friends with these guys. So, and we'll get back to the original question, but did any part of you during that, was you were you terrified that on the first extra point he was going to, like, drop the ball because he was going to be so nervous about where no, I was no, watching I and I was just like, no. so help me if he drops the ball. Like, it's going to be a full-on meltdown because then people are going to be blaming Dustin for putting too much pressure on him for, sure. for a whole day. Like, it would have been a mess. And I was yeah, like, please I, just catch the ball. I didn't, I didn't think of it that way. I just thought, like, you know um, – Everyone needs a fire lit up their ass every now and then. And and guess what, kids? Um, no one likes getting burned. So I, I thought it was gonna go fine. Yeah. And it and it looked good in pregame warm-ups too. Um, so I didn't have necessarily any worries there. You know, if you know, you know you're kicking a brick basically because it's right. you know 12 degrees outside. Um, yeah. but you know, for their operation to look good in pregame and then for it to translate over in the game, I felt like hey, Dustin Coquit did his job, and I think people um, it's okay to just say that. You know, if Eric Fisher, this is the equivalent basically of Eric Fisher being like, I think Orlando Brown needs to get better with, you know, yeah. some of his past pro sets. And people would be like, oh, I didn't notice that because, you know, now we're getting to the technical techniques and the footwork and like, okay, what is a down and distance situation? Is he a nine tech? Is he a seven tech? Is he a five tech? What's the stunts? Who's the combination of guys? Like, what is the play call? What's he doing in the framework within the formation? Again, these are yeah. all things that like Eric Fisher could point out to me that I don't have the same expertise, guys. But I, but guess what? I will listen to him because if Eric Johnson being like these guys need to tackle better, he's <laughs> like, what does he know? I'm like, <laughs> yes, all-time leading tackler. Yes, he's the all-time leading tackler. You know, just the punter who you know punted the most games in Chiefs football history. Just you know. Just, just look at the punting stat records for the Chiefs. <laughs> just tell me that's never right to speak. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get back. What's the one area that needs to get better? So through all this process, because it was cold, and I would give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, because it happened to Travis Kelsey and it happened to Justin Watson. But, hey, yeah. it's going to be slightly warmer, but, like, not great conditions either. Um, I haven't looked at the forecast. What is it going to be, like, in the 30s, 30s, low 40s? I haven't looked. I'll check right now. A little bit better about catching the football in cold weather. Um, because Mahomes is just going to do what he does, which is um, throw dimes uh, and ropes um, no matter what the temperature is. Um, but for Justin Watson, for – oh, <laughs> what is this? 50s. 50. You're in the 50s on Sunday? Hold on. on Sunday? That was in Overland Park. I mean, it can't be that I, different. I mean, let's, let's, let's move – hey, move that sun a little bit over. Um, if it's in the 50s, then, wow, we're getting to more um, – yeah, 50s. more yep. – Wow. Okay. Or high, excuse me, a high of 50. But low still. Of 39. But like. Still. Yeah. That, that's great. I could not be more I different. Thought, yeah. I thought it'd be maybe low 40s. We'd mostly be in the 30s, which again, they're playing this at noon. Um, but, you know, as we get closer to like postseason football and playing in the cold, they're going to still throw the ball. I thought it was hilarious yeah. that <laughs> it's like, uh, hey, the Chiefs are up how many points in the fourth quarter? And it's like, um, we're going to line up in um, under center and we're going to pass the ball. And it's like every time, every, why would we let the defense know we're going to run the ball? Why would we give them what they expect when we have a hall of fame quarterback? <laughs> so, you know, so Kelsey dropped a pass, Justin Watson dropped two passes. McCole Hartman is expected to make his uh, debut or his return, I should say for Sunday's game. So let's see him catch the ball and go through the basics of, you know, being a receiver, but that was, that would be like the one thing that you would ask because that is going to obviously be consistent in late January. You know, if you have to play in Buffalo, those Buffalo receivers have been catching a brick basically for six <laughs> weeks now. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to have to obviously uh, get up to speed on catching ropes of bricks from, you know, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, that would be the one thing that I would sort of pinpoint for this game as it will translate obviously over to where we think it'll be at least below 50 in the divisional or wild card round. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to you next week because that'll be the 
just what Tuesday after it'll be 12 yeah. hours after the the Bengals Bills right. game and we'll have a really good idea of what That's things right. uh, are going to look like and by the by the way uh the Bills need to do everything to win that game because if they lose that game BJ based on how everything plays out this Sunday of course they could be the three seed yikes which means they would have to win their opening game then go to Cincinnati and then potentially go to Kansas City or if things get real wonky, they would have to go to Kansas City for round two, and then Cincinnati. Obviously, if Cincinnati wins out, and Kansas City uh, drops a game as well. So, um, Kansas City didn't drop a game. Kansas City's not going to lose to Denver. And now you look at the Raiders; like they're not going to have Chandler Jones or Denzel Perryman for the rest of the year. Oh, the Raiders, yeah, that, things will. That, they, hey, crazier things, crazier things have happened, BJ. But I'm just saying, if you're if you're Sean McDermott. You know, and I think Andy Reid falls in this category all the time where I say, well, is it a playoff game? Then he'll do the conventional thing because it's not a playoff game. It's not a do or die situation. He will do right. the conventional thing. Like, you want him to be aggressive? I'm sorry. It's still December. It's <laughs> going to take, like, Jerry Judy catching, like, three touchdowns. What are the chances of that happening? <laughs> so, so, for Sean McDermott, I would say I would dial the skill up to 11 because you need yeah. to win in Cincinnati because there's no needing – you don't want the chance of being the three seed all of a sudden coming into play and knowing that you might have to play two road games against the two other best teams in the conference to get to the Super Bowl. So next Monday's game is the game to watch for the rest of the regular season. I don't care what call what plays he calls. If the players know they have a chance at a first round buy in home field, they're going to execute whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> simple play calls to the absolute best of their abilities. Leave Josh out there for a few fourth downs, coach. That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying. It ain't do or die, but it kind of could be if we don't beat the Mingles. Because why would you want to come back here? Oh, in for the Bills. Yeah. Two weeks. Yeah. Why would you want to come back here? Leave Josh Allen out there on fourth down. Make the game wild. Make the game weird. Um, do what is ever is necessary if you're the Buffalo Bills perspective. Because I want to know what the rating. The, oh, the ratings. The, the TV high. ratings compared to Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Kansas City for the game on Monday night. I want to compare those yep. and see what they are. Somebody, some John Orand or one of those guys who puts all yeah. that information out. Like I want to know what those are. But all right, Nate, man, we appreciate it as always and that's nate taylor from the athletic check out his work at the athletic check out his podcast with seth and josh times hours um, but that's all we've got for kcs and update appreciate you for watching please hit that like and subscribe follow us on your favorite podcast platform there's a lot of great places to get your chief's content and i say that all the time and when i say that there's arrowhead addict does a good job arrowhead pride yeah. does a good job locked on chiefs does a good job my guy cole our guy cole derue just absolutely killing it but how about those chiefs there's a lot i'm probably forgetting a few but there's Don't a lot of my phenomenal. guys uh fourth and fourth and one uh nick oh, Jacobs, todd, and, yep, todd and nick yeah. chiefs fans yeah. are spoiled with the really are. there's a little yeah. something for everybody in the beauty as somebody in, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way, is the beauty of somebody who's putting something together to try to make it work for everybody who's involved with KC Sports Network. We don't have to take the whole pie. It's not a zero-sum game within Chiefs content. We need a faction of fans who love what we do or about what we do that also want to support others. Um, same thing with everybody else. You're going to have the personalities, the different things that you like. It can work for everybody in this space, and that's why it's one of the cool things. We all support each other, have everybody on different shows and stuff. It's 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 a cool and special thing to be a part of, uh, especially for us kind of not being outsiders there, but because we've been doing this for a long time, but starting something new in a space in which there've been some really predominant places that have done such a good job, like Arrowhead pride with what Pete's doing over there. Um, it's cool to, to start something new and be a part of uh, the discussion on a new platform. So appreciate all the support, Nate, appreciate you as always, man. And uh, hope everybody out there continues to have a great holiday break and get ready for the new year. And man, Go Bengals. Got it. I can't say that and feel good about it. Oh, my God. I can't believe we're rooting for the Bengals. Hey, get through get through Sunday's game first, BJ. Did, did one game at a time, my friend. One game we're, at a time. For let's spend between now and that game that we pl- inevitably play against them in the playoffs trying to figure out a good comp or a good comparison or a good analogy for what Joe Burrow and the Bengals are to the Chiefs right now. There's, there's one out. There's a like perfect analogy out there with TV shows or movies or something. Give us your idea. Get, yeah, let you know. Yes. Let us know what it is out there in the <laughs> comment section. Appreciate you all. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN. 
covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current. Plus, KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.